Uh, we don't have a cold open yet. <laughs> uh, not not one that you want to use. Because <laughs> we've only been recording with me saying yeah. potentially incriminating shit. We, we only shit. have one that incriminates you. So, <laughs> so when you say we don't have one, actually we do. But I suppose it comes down to who's editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no what, it, what it really comes down to is Do I want to show more loyalty to the place that earns me money Or the bullshit hobby that costs me money Yeah, or the, or the pod that, uh, that 18 people are going to hear yeah. <laughs> Oh god uh, It's more than 18 by the way Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Uh, this is, of course, our movie podcast, which I think is about what you were about to say. Oh, yeah. This is, of course, our movie podcast, uh, which uh, every week we, we, pick a movie, we pick a movie of the week. Sometimes it's a new release. Very, uh, It hasn't been a new release for ages now. We're fucked. We're <laughs> it's, stu- we're and still and stu- it's also not every week, so really none of that was accurate. <laughs> 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 we're still stuck inside yeah. um, with nothing to do, but even we're when we have nothing not, to do... We're actually not stuck inside. We we could very well be recording this in the same house, but we just don't we, we like could, each we, other enough to do it. <laughs> we could be recording this in a pub with 18 other people, according to Scott Morrison. <laughs> True. Um, this is our movie podcast. Every week we faff around and then discuss a movie of the week. This week the movie is Peanut Butter Falcon, the Shia LaBeouf starring film. Uh, which is kind of set in the American South, and it's got it's kind of about wrestling and friendship, and we'll talk about it later on the show. It's also about peanut butter, and um, not <laughs> really about drum. falcons. No, there there are little little to no falcons no, in this movie. I would movie, say there's would say. no falcons in this movie, unless you <laughs> unless you count metaphorical, and I don't. So or costumes, I'm, but there is there is the breakfast spread of champions, PB. In this movie, fuck, and there's a couple good, good. There's there's a bit of good shit in this movie, isn't there? Mm. There's some shit that's not so good, mm. but you know, we'll talk about it later in the show. In the meantime, I reckon we got time for some some news. We got time to talk about some beefness or pleasure, where we talk about some stuff that we, some other more pleasurable, more pleasurable activities that we've been up to during the well, week. We like to talk about what we do in our off time when we're not watching the movie <laughs> for the pod, <laughs> you know, because in our off time, but we just watch. Other movies. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, though, I've got a tiny little bit of news. So, you ready to kick into that? I'm very ready. All right. Beef bullet. All right. So, first bit of news here is that the new trailer for the Christopher Nolan movie Tenet is has been has been released. That's ten, Tenet. T e n e t. Tenet. This ain't the a movie. film about. It's, it's a documentary about everyone's favorite Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say it's a movie about renters' rights, but yeah, sure. Good shit. Nice. Yeah. How funny is renters' rights? Pretty They're f- a laughing matter. Oh, that's for it's sure. It's a fucking laughing stock. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Very. Good. Oh God. So this trailer was it a two? Are we talking? Are we talking the standard. Uh, Two men, twenty sec. Well, to be honest, I didn't really pay much attention to the trailer because I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to trying to avoid it, <laughs> yeah. avoid it a little bit. You know, I, I watched I watched it and look like generic action type shit. But the most the most interesting thing is that it's been getting people theorizing about what Tenet might be because every Christopher Nolan movie has had some sort of weird, not time travelly, but you know, so, some sort of 
some sort of aspect of the story or the construction of the movie that plays with time. It's usually involved um, mo- either non-sequential storytelling or multiple uh, multiple separate timelines, like Inception. Yeah. Which so technically I, 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 was not multiple separate timelines. Actually, they were all taking place on the same <laughs> timeline. Uh, they were just happening <laughs> at different, uh, different rates of reality. <laughs> did you watch well, that's Dunkirk right? I did watch Inception no and you spoiled Dunkirk for me <laughs> I've never seen Dunkirk <laughs> no because no, okay. like in the um, in the no, Inception you're, no you're right it is Inception. in the Inception Sorry, dreams yeah. they go slower when you're down one level oh, the, the one where the guy gets shot in the head that's Dunkirk right <laughs> fuck that better not be real <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, okay. No, I wasn't listening to what you were saying. Mm. No, that's good on a two-person podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Zach, take it away. Zach, Zach, <laughs> Zach, Fuck. Zach. <laughs> All right. Uh, the trailer came out. I'm excited for this movie. People are saying this might be one of the first movies that gets to come back in cinemas after this whole COVID restriction shit lift. Um, I, I, Jack Howard on YouTube was talking about how he reckons maybe Christopher Nolan has found some way to make this movie palindromic. Uh, listeners, if Oscar tries to fuck this up in the edit, just know that I gave him that word. He forgot the word and <laughs> I gave him that word. And he very clearly just tried to start the sentence again and claim credit for knowing the word palindromic. So, palindrome, of course, <laughs> the word which we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's um, going to be a through line throughout the episode. There's no way you'll be able to edit it out. <laughs> so, Oscar, as I told you half an hour ago, palindromes. <laughs> yeah. Much like falcons and peanut butter. Very good. Uh, yeah. No, the, um, now, Oscar, I don't know j- if you know it, the, the little reference that you've just made there <laughs> accidentally, but... Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, Swedish pop band ABBA, much like go. Tenet... A named oh. after a palindrome. <laughs> I, thought this, I thought this was the next news story. <laughs> Fuck. It's no, like no, no. I just the next like um whoever they directed like yesterday and fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. Danny like they're Boyle doing they're doing ABBA shit. next. Like yeah. oh good okay. Oh All that right. is actually a thing though. I I, th- I sincerely think that the is ABBA, that actually oh. I think the I think the ABBA I think there is an ABBA movie happening. I Fuck saw it. I saw a news article about uh, an Amy Winehouse movie happening within the next couple of years. Yep, of course, because Rocket Man made about a billion dollars. Yep. Sure. Yep. Uh, the tenant thing, uh, there was just, just the idea that uh, people were theorizing that maybe the movie itself is a palindrome. Well, and it, it's had that thing where, like, you, the logo has kind of, like, um, spun and, like, flipped itself upside down or whatever. So, I, I, yeah, yeah it'll, I reckon it'll be something, some, some sort of thing. Sorry. Finish the news. Like it'd be crazy if the movie was backwards and then forwards, and somehow like shows you like like the first scene is the climax of the movie. That'd be fucking crazy. Did he? But I always get this confused. Did he also direct Memento? Who directed Memento? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So Nolan. I reckon it'll be something similar to that. Like, but but also he can't do his own idea again, right? So like it. it uh, yeah, but he- Memento is like this. The, 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 it looks like from the trailer from Tenet, there are literally sh- sequences where it's filmed backwards, like people are moving backwards. Mm. Fuck me, that. <laughs> so there's literally like reversed yeah. footage. Okay, he's doing he's he's doing target practice with a pistol, and she's saying, and then and then and then uh, the pretty French lady from in Bruges comes up and is like, oh, you're not shooting the bullets, you're sucking the bullets back in or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. Maybe that was a dream I had last yeah, night. Yeah, that might have been. That might have been uh, <laughs> you getting you getting lost in your own thoughts, mate, I think. But, um, yeah. Uh, 
So, a little bit more news about this uh, movie that's going to be made in space with NASA. Yes. Tom Cruise and Elon Musk, who are apparently looking for a director. I don't know why it's up to them to find a director. God damn. But it says that well, they're they are- not. That's just a news story. The director of The Edge of Tomorrow is on board to damn. direct this as yet untitled space movie. Now, it doesn't uh, it doesn't exactly fill me with hope um, that- Well, I've heard The Age of Tomorrow is great. This guy's also directed The Born Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, this which was are D- all fun. Doug Lehman uh, directed it, and um, yeah. He, yeah, he also directed uh, Swingers, so, yep. Yeah. Um, and Jumper, <laughs> uh, which actually was an okay movie featuring- I think that's- is that, that's the one with Hayden I'm Christensen I'm wearing one of those it. right now. Nice, very nice. And uh, Thanks, if, you, if you're in the uh, Americas, then this film is called Sweater. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jumper was like the first film that Hayden Christensen did after he oh, was. Yeah. yeah, and it was about that dude that can like he can like zip places really. I wonder uh, what that guy's up to now. Um, n- not much else. I think I think I think Jumper was like the last thing he did. Uh, not literally, but um, but yeah. Uh, not much notable else. Yeah. So next news story. Uh, yeah. The next. Hey, you know, don't tell me what to do. This news sounds a free agent. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, Edgar Wright's new film, the director of so that's the director of Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, etc. Uh, yeah. So his new movie is going to be called Last. Night in Soho, and it is like a thriller, horror kind of thing set in London. Um, and it's apparently now being delayed until 2021 because of all this COVID shit. It was due to be released in September of this year, but he said that it's um, <laughs> not quite finished yet. And I assume I assume that it's also got something to do with all the COVID crap. Yeah, he said because of all the COVID stuff, they didn't quite finish it yet. Maybe it's special effects or they had pickup shots or something to do. But I'd in any yeah, case... My guess would be... I, I'd imagine a lot of, there's a lot of VFX specialists that are able to work from home. So, my guess yeah. would be pickup shots oh, and full crew and cast stuff. Yeah. Well, in any case, the movie's now not coming out until April 2021. Okay. It's just like a fucking year away. Yeah. Um, it says here in Enemy, it was a psychological thriller uh, about a young girl in the 60s in London. It's actually only 10 months away. Does that scare you? <laughs> See, it's kind of a 10 or 11 months away. Scare you that you're almost dead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this Edgar Wright movie. I really like Edgar Wright. I've liked every single movie of his that I've seen. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bummed that it's being delayed. Sure. But I am sure that it'll turn out okay. I think that's probably all I've got. All right. We um, uh, yeah. There was another weird story about how um, Universal supplied the movie that Netflix can stream on Netflix for Back to the Future Two. Right. And when they did that a few years ago, um, fans noticed that just recently, fans noticed that um. Back to the Future 2 on, on Netflix was censored. There's a scene where Marty McFly is looking for that ul- the sports almanac in the future. Yep. And he finds the sports almanac, but then when he takes off the dust jacket, it's just a porn magazine called Ooh La La. Oh. That's like a, that's Hell like a long yeah. shot. Hell yeah. Now which, now, which of those would you rather have? 
Huh? <laughs> huh? R- rather see a couple norks than be. Yeah, exactly. See um, a couple norks than a couple dorks in a sports <laughs> almanac. <laughs> yeah, well, so uh, uh, in the Netflix edited version, they cut out like a couple frames of Marty McFly looking at this lingerie catalog. A nudie mag. Yeah, or it's like apparently it shows the frames of him looking through the pages of the nudie mag, but it doesn't show the cover. It's like some weird little edit right? that is like this jump cut that misses like three seconds of the movie. And the writer and Robert Zemeckis, the director, had no idea that anyone had made those edits. That doesn't strike me. If you still see, so do you still see pages with like nude women in it? I think so, yeah. Right, then I reckon it's a copyright issue. Because if you see if you see people with if you if it's not a censorship thing if you see the nude women, but I reckon if you see the front cover and it's got a logo on it, they probably couldn't get permission from like Playboy or whatever stupid magazine it was. But the name of the magazine is Ooh La La. That can't be the name of a real lingerie <laughs> magazine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it might be copyright for a different thing, but um I reckon it that that strikes me as a copy copyright. Uh, issue rather than a censorship thing, but that is very, very funny and very strange. It's weird though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. For like at three seconds, and it's like, did you need to get rid of all of the magazine? No, no, the nude women are fine. That is not the problem. Once again, titties, not the issue, okay? The if it titties- is, bro, have you got any pickups that we can toss right, in there yeah, with can more we titties? replace this with an extra three seconds of boobs? Because we need it. <laughs> and also, like, the fact that he opens up the almanac and then it cuts out the bit where they show that the cover is not the almanac. And like the a old dust cover, yeah. Marty McFly finding the almanac is like a key plot point of that movie. It does, so it does out fuck with the plot any a of little that bit. Scene, <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it a bit more confusing. Like, I don't get it. How did he how did he save everyone with a with a titty mag? <laughs> like, why does the sports almanac have titties in it? Yeah. What? What's he what's he betting on? <laughs> is he- he- He's travelled to an alternate future where there are no titties and the guy yeah. got rich by giving yeah. titties to mankind. Much like Prometheus. <laughs> gave boobs Hell to yeah, mankind. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Prometheus, the Greek god who gave titties to man. <laughs> I could just do that. I, I could just giggle about that for the rest of the episode. There's, I'm there's a, great a pun time. there, but I can't, I can't quite lock it down. There yet. is, isn't there? There's there a pun is. somewhere. I reckon there would be, yeah. I reckon there would be. But that's all the news I got, man. I don't have very much. It's been a pretty slow news week. And to be honest, I started looking for the news about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, well, you did a good job. So right. Thanks, brother. But apparently, so you, I understand that you've watched heaps of shit. You don't understand shit. All right. Well, Don't I, tell me what you understand, motherfucker. Right. Okay, well, I'm sorry if I phrased that in the wrong way, but I understand that you've watched Listen heaps of here, stuff this week. Listen here, you little all right, Oscar, we're recording a podcast right now. I don't know if you're aware of it. So, you've watched heaps of stuff. So, shall we move on to the segment of our podcast, Beefness or Pleasure? <laughs> yes, let's do that. Um, so, this is Beefness or Pleasure. 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 Business. 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 Pleas
So Beefness on Pleasure is, of course, a segment where every week that we remember to do it, uh, we celebrate <laughs> the movies that we have watched for our own entertainment that aren't aren't for the benefit of you listeners. We've just watched them off our own bat because we want to see them. That's right. The, the, these are the pleasure. And uh, Peter Butterfalcon coming up, that's the official beefness. Yep. So here we go. Uh, I watched a whole shit ton of movies this week, and I think only a couple of them are going to be worth discussing. Yeah, despite the fact that I gave you a fantastic recommendation for a movie that you did not watch. <laughs> so uh, first movie I watched this week. Now we go on chronologically or in terms of preference? Chronologically. All right. Very good. In terms of the the time the movie was made, not the time I watched oh, it. Oh, chron- release order. Yeah. Now that is that is good. Well, to be honest, the first this one was made in 1952, so it was a bit of a no-brainer. Oh, anyway. you know how old that is? It was made in 1952, and I watched it first. That's, so That's one year <laughs> off being the sex number. Years old. Bro. Love to give it the old 1953, if you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying. What's uh, 68? Because that's like sucking off a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Sing Him in the Rain. Um, Speaking of sucking off snowman. Sp- <laughs> I watched Sing Him in the Rain, which was made in 1952. It is an iconic... Uh, musical starring Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds, who is uh, Carrie Fisher. It's Carrie Fisher's mum. Okay. Um, it's uh, basically this movie is a musical that reminds me a lot of the story of The Artist, which won the best picture back in sort of 2011 or 2012. We were or talking something. about this, right? I think it was, did something in the last episode spur you to watch this film? I think I've just heard, I've seen it on a lot of like top lists of films recently. I think like David and Margaret, this is uh, film reviewers in Australia that do have a TV show on the ABC. Um, it's one of David's favorite films. Um, this is a boring old fucking man. I saw like lists on Letterboxd uh, where people were like ranking the best movies of every year. The point is that Singing in the Rain is a movie that's always ranked up there highly with like one of the greatest movies that have ever been made. If not ever, then definitely in like the 1950 golden age of movie kind of things. And so I went in and watched it, and I think you can get it for like $5 on iTunes. And one of the things that I really liked about it was how it all felt like it was a a filmed theatrical production. Right. There was a lot of uh, stuff of like people doing those crazy tap dancey kind of dance moves directly to camera, looking at the camera while they were smiling and doing these dance moves. Like they would have a, um, they would have music breaks and musical uh, scenes where they would like go into song in the middle of the movie for the most innocuous things that were <laughs> kind of quaint. Like I think there was literally like a. Um, a bit where they stayed up so late that it was the next morning. And then they had a whole dance break and sing along about like, good morning, good morning. Ain't it great to stay up late? And there was like a whole song about them <laughs> singing, about, singing about it being the morning time. Uh, fun fact, uh, apparently that song's not even from Singing in the Rain. That's from uh, Babes in Arms, which is a 1939 film version of a Broadway musical of the same name. Right, well, there you go. I didn't know that. Well, so that that song specifically was like, all right, they're singing about how it's the morning. Yeah. Um, and there's a, they, they, really they just go an and excuse. <laughs> it's, it's just an excuse to have these very extravagant dance numbers and songs. The, the movie is about the transition between silent films and talking films. 
And the two main characters of the films were big stars in the silent film era. That yeah. now one of them has a really great like voice for radio kind of voice, and the other the woman of this this pair, like a like a romantic pair, they're always in romance silent romance films together, has a voice like this that's really high pitched and annoying. And that's is that and Debbie Debbie Reynolds? Oh uh, no, it's it's another it's the other female lead, Jean Hagen. Maybe, yeah. There's this, like, female lead um, who has a really high-pitched voice, and she has to go to this, like, vocal training. And then it zooms out from the vocal coach's office to this big stage with, like, you know, dances and all this sort of things. But it, it feels very theatrical, Right, is the okay. point. And I think it's really interesting in that it marks this period of transition between, like, movies being, like, they have filmed stage productions to being movies being like a completely separate, like cinematic kind of art form. Okay. Because in a lot of scenes in this, you could literally see that they had filmed a soundstage full of dancers and musicians and streamers and confetti and stuff. And they had just like constructed a loose story to connect this theatrical musical song and dance number with that one. That sounds like, my absolute least favourite type of film. Well, I liked it. I don't think it was my favourite movie ever, but I really liked it. And honestly, the dancing that Gene Kelly does is so fucking impressive. <laughs> like, the, it's like a tap dance, swing dancing kind of thing. The dance moves he does are so cool. And have you seen that famous bit where he's like, I'm singing in the rain. Uh, and I he's like twirling, it, yeah. twirling around on the street lamps and stuff. It's so great. And you can tell the budget of this was all out because they've, they've built this whole street <laughs> On a soundstage to get it was, the rain um, and the two, two and a half million dollars, and I doubt that's adjusted for inflation. Yeah, two and a half million dollars in nineteen fifty-two, yeah, which was approximately eight billion dollars. Oh man, no, I really liked it. I think it's worth seeing if you like musicals. It would probably get you a bit of an edge over there. I liked it. I don't think it was the best movie I've ever seen, but I'm really glad I watched it. I think there's a lot of old movies that don't date very well. Um, this is one that dated very well. I'm glad I watched it. Okay. Um, it's just not the best musical I've ever seen. I think musicals have gone a lot further since then. But it doesn't feel very cheesy or anything. Like I, I think it really holds up. And I really like the idea of the story being about these people who, who are worried about their place in society now that technology has moved forward. I think it sounds to me like um, the premise of this film is so much more interesting than the actual execution of the film well, itself. Yeah, it's, it's like they had this amazing premise... And then they were just very focused on doing these theatrical song and dance numbers and didn't really quite get into the nitty-gritty of the premise. I feel like you can um, make this incredible film these days about, like, a director that, wants to, that like, is really struggling with the transition from, like, film to digital. And, you know, yeah. it, it seems like there's this really, like... I, I really like this this idea of like the transition from me to, from from an from an old medium to a new medium because there's people who yeah. will say like oh it's that's a fad or whatever or like yeah but you lose this aspect or quality or whatever this tone. So I mentioned it before. The artist. It's a film that was made like in the last ten years, but it was made in the style of a silent film where the whole film is like soundtracked only by music, like an right. orchestral score, and any any lines that pop up are popped in as like intertitles. Title cards. Where yeah. the whole screen pops up as like hi, oh my god, kind of stuff. Um, 
that movie has a very similar a very similar plot where the main character is a silent film star that is transitioning into talkies and that's really good and I think that does that story a lot better I'd, I'd, it sounds like I'd much rather watch that the artist is great man I think you should watch it if only because it's really interesting to watch a silent it, 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 to watch a silent film that's been made with modern production values yeah that sounds interesting if you've ever wanted to go in on silent films at all being like oh I wonder what Charlie Chaplin films were like for example but then gotten into it being like oh I can't deal with the sound quality I can't deal with it being too naff and too cute mm. then the artist is like it's a silent film made for modern sensibilities in a yeah. way where I think it's fascinating to watch and I, I i really like singing in the rain i think it's the most notable of the films that i've watched this week unless you've got something to talk about or i, I can go off about fucking mission impossible 3 or whatever else I i've got one but <laughs> let's let's rapid fire your other ones what else did you watch uh, with with my housemates, I watched a couple rom coms. I watched Begin Again, which stars Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley. It's set in New York, and it's about uh, Mark Ruffalo is a record producer who is fired from the record label that he started. Uh, Kira Knightley is a up and coming indie singer songwriter type, and they they meet up and they record her album in notable locations all around Manhattan and New York. Um, right. It's came just out fine. in uh, 2013. 2013, yeah. Um, they don't hook up, which is nice because they're the two main characters. They have like a really good working relationship. Um, okay. The rom-com aspect, I suppose, is that she has a romance with her ex and he has a romance with his ex and they get rekindled. So I suppose in that way, it's nice to have it just because he's like a creepy older guy, I guess. Right. Gonna be, it would feel kind of shoehorned in if Mark Ruffalo got with Kira Knightley just because they were the two main characters and they were working together. So I'm glad they didn't. And I think I was that was what I was worried about this being the predictable outcome of the, the film. And I wasn't a great rom-com, but we all watched it together and I enjoyed watching it. And it's got a 62 on Metacritic. So. I think it was fun. I had fun with it, but I feel like it was no more fun, no more no more good than like a love actually kind of thing. Like it was like a, a bit cute, but I liked that it did it didn't go where I thought it was gonna go. I thought like, oh this dumb movie's gonna make these two people hook up even though she's twenty years younger. Right. Kind of thing. And I feel like you um, might be foreshadowing something that we might talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I watched Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels last night. Hey, there uh, we go. Which I thought was gonna be some like action movie kind of kind of diehard kind of thing but what it actually turned out to be i don't know if you have you seen it so it came out in 1998 directed by guy ritchie uh yeah and yeah starring uh jason statham i suppose most noticeably he's not uh, actually the main character but no, he's the but... most famous person in the movie have you seen it yeah i have not seen it i think it's good man it reminds me a lot of uh train spotting it's basically okay. about this group of four dudes who each contribute their saved up 25 grand so that one of the four can then go and compete in this like 100 grand high stakes poker game. Right. And he ends up losing all their money and then getting even more into debt. And the rest of the movie is about them trying to make uh, half a million pounds to pay back the gambling debt. Right. Fuck. But it's these like four idiots. Oh, it's that got have Vinnie Jones in it. I don't know who that is, but sure. Uh, he's the the dark-haired dude. 
Yeah, right. They've gotten themselves like way over their head in this like gangster scene. And it does a cool thing where it sort of flicks between like three or four different stories and they all sort of come together in this big sort of giant clusterfuck. Um, I think it's cool. I think I think I definitely I enjoyed train spotting a lot more, but yeah, it's really yeah. great. It's not the movie I thought it was, and I thought it was a good old time. I always thought this was a cowboy film. <laughs> the the two smoking barrels is that there are two <laughs> antique uh, shotguns. Right. And so they the these two antique shotguns keep getting traded from the the different main character groups in the whole film, and each of those. Uh, each of those shotguns, how many barrels does each of those shotguns have? <laughs> is, it, is it one? It's, uh, it's, it's more than one. And let me tell you, if you thought there was no smoke coming out of them, you'd be, uh, you'd be sorely mistaken. So how many are there? <laughs> Kill me. Shoot me in the face. How many are there? Two. There's two, all right? Okay, there's so two and they're smoking. So there's two shotguns with two smoking barrels each. You're right. It should be called lock, stock, and okay, four so, smoking barrels. So, so right. Yes. <laughs> Dear guy Richie. So I'm not watching this film. Okay. And and the reason why is because uh, historical inaccuracy. I'm being clearly misled from the get go. <laughs> right. Talk about talk about Chekhov's gun. <laughs> That's probably as much uh, as good as is worth discussing the movies that I've watched. Do you want to, like, do, if you watched other stuff, you said you watched heaps, do you want to rattle them off and say why you don't think they uh, were yeah, very okay. good? Yeah, okay, so um, I really like Camille Mangiani. I listened to his podcast that he's been doing during COVID uh, isolation. We've seen him live, a very funny stand-up comic. He's brilliant. He's been promoting on his podcast this movie called The Lovebirds, which he didn't write or direct or anything. He's just starring in it, which I suppose is why he's promoting it, in lieu of going on Colbert or whatever the fuck. Um which is basically, I thought it was going to be like a rom-com. So we watched The Lovebirds and then we watched that Begin Again musician Mark Ruffalo thing. Uh, the Lovebirds, though, it fucking sucked. I didn't like it at all. Um, That's no good, man. It turned out to be this um, uh, rom-com, sure, but it's about this couple that have just broken up. And then they're like on their way to do some fucking part they go to some party they're invited to. And they're going to be like, let's not tell our friends we've broken up. Um, and some dude jumps in their car and frames them for murder. Okay. Uh, like whatever. This dude jumps in their car and pretends to be a police. It doesn't matter. This dude, this dude commandeers their car into false pretenses and like runs some dude over and frames them for murder. And the rest of the the rest of the movie is them freaking out. Like that was such a crazy coincidence. No one's going to believe us about what happened. We're going to have to like find the guy and find the people and work out what happened with this murder thing. Yeah. Um, to clear our names, otherwise no one's going to believe us. And but it's just there's so many levels of extrapolation of shit that you have to remember, shit that you have to believe as a given before you believe the next point in the story. Ugh, I think that would uh, make me maddened. <laughs> yeah, like so, Camille's good in it. Um, everyone else is good in it, but the story and the writing itself is so infuriatingly unrealistic where like, it's one of those movies where like at every step of the process you go, why doesn't everyone just stop and talk about it? Okay. Yeah. Like, um, like the guy they accidentally run over in their car that they've been framed for killing gets a text on his phone. That's like, meet me at this bar at 10 o'clock. And so Kamal and the, the lady are like, well, why don't we just go there? And so they meet the lady at the bar at 10 o'clock 
And the lady's like, oh, you're here at 10 o'clock, so you must be this guy, and I'm going to fucking kill you. Right. And it's like, whoa, why doesn't everyone just pause and be like, I'm, I'm not, not that guy? Person. Yeah. But no, no one ever does that, and it's kind of infuriating. So that like, sounds like it really sucks. <laughs> it did suck. It's like it's a series of funny circumstances connected by a plot that makes no sense. It just sounds like shitty writing, right? Just a bad script. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and I think that um, and I, I was, I felt really bad for Kamel because I'm a couple episodes behind on his podcast and he kept talking about how excited he was and he, it was a lot of fun to make the movie and he kept talking about how like a couple weeks ago it was still at 80% on Rotten Tomatoes and he was like, and that's really great and I love looking at these reviews and seeing that people are loving it and it's 80% on Rotten Tomatoes and that's really good and now and I've now looked it up and it's like 60 something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw a news article. Yeah, I, I feel bad. He would have known, man. He he's read the script. He would have known. Like, you, you, yeah, he sees he's just promoting it to promote yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. And like, not that I would expect anything different. Um, but I'm sure that he knows, like, the quality of a project he's undertaking. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I, 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 wouldn't, I, just, I wouldn't feel too bad for him. Hopefully I could he suck got a, it in, and it's it's the first movie he got in ages. A fat paycheck out of it, and uh, I hope so. And it's just okay with moving on. And he's also in that Marvel movie recently. Yeah, exactly. who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's the first movie in ages that I've watched and been like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, brutal. Like it's not. It, it's just so mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even notably bad. It's just like, I I always think like oh, I didn't think movies like this got made anymore. What the fuck? Yeah, like, no, I thought no sucked. one... It's like, you didn't have... Like, this cost you probably a fair bit of money. And, like, investors and stuff bought into yeah. this film. How the fuck did you make something so mediocre? It feels like you couldn't... feels like you didn't even have a vision behind it. You know, it wasn't even, like, B-movie bad, where you were, like, really passionate about it. And you just thought, like, no, this this film about this... um Sentient pumpkin that comes up and kills people <laughs> on Halloween or something. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, uh, it's just like oh, it's just a boring rom com sort of stuff. It just it just sucked. Like, yeah. kind of, I suppose there were some funny bits in it, but just like, uh, yeah, it just wasn't no. very believable. No good. All right, was there no anything? Uh, so you wouldn't recommend? What was that one called again? So people can avoid it. <laughs> that was called the Lovebirds. <laughs> the Lovebirds. And what was there um, anything else? The last one is that I've watched Mission Impossible three and four recently, and I like them both. Good. I great. think I like yep. Mission Impossible three a bit more, but I'm going to go move on to Mission Impossible five. Next week, I, I think I'll- it really like. I think it really hits its stride. From three was like a bit of a rebirth because that was the first yeah, one with like cause- Simon Pegg in it and stuff. And then, um, yeah, I think five it really hits its uh, hits its stride. And then five, six, and yeah. seven all like build on top of each other. Five is that one with the Impossible Fallout with the Superman is so fucking good. That's insane. Yeah, and you, yeah, right. You've already seen that one, but it's you might not excellent. have seen five and six. Um, no. And I feel like there's some really good uh, good stunts in there, good moments as well. You get what you pay for, you know? Yeah. It, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to you seeing those ones. I think that'll be a good time. What did you watch? What did you watch this week, bruh? <laughs> so, I only watched, like, one extra movie. Um, I guess, okay, I'll give quick nods to the other shit that I've been going in on. Um, I watched a little bit of uh, mid- the series that I think you recommended to me last episode, Middleditch and Schwartz. Uh, which is that improv series with uh, Ben Schwartz, who voiced Sonic the Hedgehog, and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thomas Middleditch, who plays the main character from Silicon Valley, uh, the TV series. So they're, they're improv comics, um, and they did a Netflix special where uh, it's like them taking suggestions or stories from the audience and then making up an imp- like an hour of extended long form improv based on that stimulus. Uh, yeah, it's and like an hour long sketch or some shit. It's crazy. Right. And they're extremely good at it. And uh, because there's only two of them, but they often have like 15 characters, they have to like <laughs> wildly swing between the different characters that they're making up. But it's like 15 characters. It's actually like 15 characters. And they'll, they'll sort of do <laughs> extended scenes where like someone will walk out of the room and then they will like not even walk off the stage, but they'll change manner and walk back <laughs> in a different way. And they'll be like, What's up, bro? And they'll be they'll have been like this like meek character before, and it'll be clear that they've changed yeah. <laughs> changed who they're acting as, and uh, so that's <laughs> kind of how they transition between scenes. Um, it's really neat. I like how genuine it is that they sometimes like visibly forget where they were up to, or like someone will one of them will have a really great line, and the other one will just really lose it um <laughs> yeah. I, which is my favorite i, I always love when i'm watching media with com- comedians and uh and it's clear like that one of them is like yeah one of them is like just done this absolute king hit of a line <laughs> and uh, and it's really just gotten everyone and i really love yeah. hearing everything fall apart because of that i love there's nothing more there is nothing more that i love than hearing like 30 seconds to a minute of the hosts laughing. I love that shit. That happens Um, a lot in the Dumb Dumb Club podcast. uh, Yeah, man. Um, I was going back on some StarCraft casts, uh, some some StarCraft commentaries that uh, where that happens. And like, it's just so joyous hearing those, just hear, just laughing alongside people. Um, so it feels like I, those are my favorite moments. Uh, and I, I've only watched sort of halfway through the first episode, but I can already tell it's going to be that, that type of thing. It's so um, good. And you've vouched for it too. So yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd recommend it. It, uh, it seems like it'll be really fun if you're in the mood for like a Netflix stand-up series with like, that's not just someone talking to camera. Um, it's, yeah. it, it's fun how interactive it is and how like you get this little 10 minute segment at the start where they're like talking to the audience and working out what they're going to do. And they're like probing and asking kind of questions. Um, and that's almost like just normal crowd work. And yeah. then, uh, and then, yeah, they kind of go, they, they go into this mode of like, uh, extended yeah. improv, which is very good. Um, and then, uh, I also watched uh, a film called uh, Shin Godzilla. Uh, yeah, which right. Is from so, from Japan. You've uh, spoken a number of times about wanting to watch a Godzilla movie, and there's like a fucking fifteen of them. So I what know, made you choose this one? Up. So there was like I, I um I looked up on Letterboxd. You can actually sort by you can sort any list that anyone has made by the scores that all of the films in the list have. And so what I did was I just searched up a list that had every Godzilla movie ever made in it and sorted by like the reviews. And uh, of course, like the original had the highest review score of any because I feel like people are a little bit um. Uh, snobbish about that snobbish sort of thing. about it right and th- this was like the 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 highest one that's been made in i'll say the last like 10 years because there's a few that have come out uh predominantly and notably starring like brian cranston and uh the kid uh who plays 11 in stranger things um and apparently those ones are just not that great like they're decent 
action movies, but there's no really good storyline to them. Right. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll watch that and I'll just like sit back. Um, I was pretty hungover, I think, on Monday this, this week, and I just really <laughs> felt like watching an action movie. But I, I really, I, it was like, I was annoyed at myself at how I still had a high standard. <laughs> so I was like, I don't watch an action movie, but I don't want it to be like, a really dumb action movie. Uh, um, yeah. And so this one was the highest rated uh, Godzilla movie that I, that's been made in like the last 10 years. So it came out in 2016, directed by Hideaki Anno. Um, and the, uh, the letterbox summary says, when a massive guild monster emerges from the deep and tears through the city, the government scrambles to save its citizens. And this is the important bit. A ragtag team of volunteers cuts through a web of red tape to uncover the monster's weakness and its mysterious ties to a foreign superpower. So, um, I think one of the most interesting things about the way that this movie is, uh, how this movie uh, distinguishes itself from the rest of the Godzilla, like, franchise, I guess, is that um, you really watch the nation, so it's based in Japan and the whole thing's in Japanese, so I I watched it with subs. Um, You you really see how a a nation built on a democratic bureaucracy would handle an event like this and how, like, um, the first, like, sort of 20 minutes to half an hour of the film is, like, basically a bunch of public servants being frustrated at how they have to, like, schedule a meeting to get agreement in principle on any action that they need to take, which sometimes is, <laughs> which sometimes really is like you conv- convening a meeting <laughs> for another thing, you know? Uh, um, yeah. And then like, it's slowly, I guess what the, the real, the real <laughs> masterstroke in that is not that it's played as like comic. It is played as like comic relief to start with, but then it becomes a source of tension. And, um, yeah. and you realize that like, if there was less of that shit to start with, and if people had been less kind of like, uh blinkered by those processes then they would actually have been able to act sooner and kind of like achieve something but it really did get in the way it's like in the thick of it cross with godzilla yeah less not not quite on the anando yanuchi side of things like mostly uh people are just kind of like well this is a good thing that ordinarily would serve a purpose but it's just frustrating whenever anything out of the from left field happens um, and it was very fitting to watch this happen in the midst of like a global pandemic that's kind of taken the world by surprise, where I imagine there were a yeah. bunch of similar conversations happening around the globe um, of people being like every every sort of every minute we spend fucking around here to like make sure that there's the proper signatures on stuff. Like people are <laughs> people are spreading this thing and losing their lives. So I think also, if I recall correctly, and I'm just double checking this now, but H- Hideaki Anno, the director of this film, also directed the uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion franchise, which are notoriously like bizarre but wonderful and really strongly articulated stories about like uh, these kind of like demon mechs coming up either from the earth or from outer space and like kind of like taking control of the world. So he has already got some experience bashing around these concepts of like giant existential threats to humanity. And I think it was actually a really good pick for the director of this film because um, one of the real genius strokes in this movie is that for most of the film, it doesn't really appear like Godzilla has any real malice. It's almost a 
fish. Like it says guild in the description on Letterbox there. And it really is almost this um like thrashing around and yeah, not really knowing yeah, what it's yeah. doing. Like really it's just like it's kind of just confused and distressed and it's not really meaning to do anything. Is this like an action movie though? It sounds like the way you're playing it up, it's more of like a political drama. <laughs> it, it, it 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 really rides the line between both because there are some really great action segments. Um, and there's tension all throughout, but also like some of the comedy comes from these meeting room scenes. Uh, right. And you're following this group of like, um, basically they throw a group of like savants in this room together because they're like, you, <laughs> you are the only people who might even be able to figure anything about this situation out. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. it's literally like molecular biologists who've never had anything to do with like government services before and shit. And they chuck them all in a room and they say like, figure out what this fucking thing's weakness is because we don't know. <laughs> and so they'll yeah, be like, right. and they're trying to figure out like, where did it come from? And like, what, what is it? And like, does it, how does it operate? And <laughs> what is it? Yeah, and you realize pretty fast. Well, because it's based in the world, right? So it's not yeah. like they um, it's not like they know what this thing is. It's just crawled out of the fucking water. And like the first ten minutes of the movie, at least, is them playing this off as a natural disaster when it's clearly not. Um, it's so it's really interesting. Uh, the the that way does that sound it goes. Cool. Well, it, it is. I just really found cool. out recently that it's supposed to be on SBS on demand for free. Right, this, so this Shin, I, Shin I paid Godzilla. for it because I'm a big sucker and I didn't check SBS On Demand, <laughs> but yes, Shin Godzilla. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's as I said, a Japanese movie and um, a really, really interesting spin on the, like, monster movie style and uh, also just a genuinely really entertaining film. Um, yeah, cool. The way that it portrays Godzilla really changes things up. It's got this brilliant art style. The monster design is fantastic. And you spend a lot of like, you know how my least favorite thing in monster movies is where they don't give you enough time staring at the thing to actually like get really get acquainted with it and kind of when like it's just this blurry freaked out fucking, by it. I hate that yeah. shit. This movie spends a lot of time where you get to like look at the fucking thing and it's Hell really yeah. well designed. So you get to just like stare at it and be like, fuck that's cool looking or like it's really weird and it's creepy its mouth is too full of teeth it's got like a really <laughs> sick design um so yeah that sounds I'd, cool I'd, I'd strongly recommend it even as like a hungover i just want to watch an action movie um, <laughs> watch some japanese political thriller instead <laughs> it's really not as much of a political thriller as i've made it sound i think that is the hot sauce that makes this film interesting you know like yeah cool i think yeah, 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 I'm with it's you. a godzilla movie but what what separates it out from the rest of the shitty godzilla movies that have been made is that it has this truth truth telling undercurrent of bureaucracy that gives yeah, the right. really human story um are you yeah. going to watch more Godzilla movies after this, or is this I, giving I you your not. fix? I think this has really given me my fix, and knowing that the rest of them don't really even bother trying to tell the human story, and they also waste really good talent on, like, Brian Cranston and, and the, the rest of the, the cast that yeah. I hear are also quite good, it just kind <laughs> of has put me off a little bit. I feel like maybe I just watch the cream of the crop. Um, apparently they're okay and they've got some decent action sequences in them. So I could see myself going back like later, but for now I'm really happy that I picked this one and I would strongly recommend it if you're in the mood for an action movie, especially in COVID where like nothing else is coming out. As you said, it seems like it's on SBS on demand, so it's free. I'd really strongly recommend it. Great little movie. And I also like supporting international cinema. So, um, I don't think this got a, a super wide, uh, no, I've, I'd never heard of it before. Release. No, not, neither had I, but uh, yeah, it's, oh, uh, it's a good, good one. recommendation, bro. Cool. Yeah. 
All right, well, that's our bumper segment of beefness or pleasure for the week. Uh, I think it's probably time to move on to the main attraction, the main event. This week, we watched Peanut Butter Falcon. That's right. If the sequel to if, the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> have you got the Wikipedia page open there? I do, because I knew that you would not. Yeah, cool, because I don't have any device. <laughs> I got one device where if I touch it, the recording skips, and one device where if I touch it, you can't see me. So, <laughs> mm. um the reason why I wanted to watch this movie, because it was my choice this week, was because I really have been endearing... I feel endearing, like the listeners will know that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been endearing myself to Shia LaBeouf of late. Like, he did a Hot Ones interview where he seemed really down to earth. So Hot Ones, for anyone who doesn't listen to it, a wonderful interview show on YouTube where uh, the host and interviewee both eat increasingly, incrementally spicy chicken wings coated in different types of hot sauce and the idea is it gets it really gets past that awkward barrier of the interviewer interviewee relationship because they both are eating this ridiculously spicy food but also the interviewer really does his research and yeah, isn't he, just yeah, like that's true he's a very good uh, very good in- i can't remember his name sean something uh, sean other, evans sean evans right but he's um, really he's really good at bonding with the guests and he does a really good job of bonding with shia labeouf during that episode yeah, and some some guests really respond better than others, and Shia LaBeouf, as you as you're about to say, is, is very good. It's an it's an excellent episode, and he talks a lot about how this movie was like a passion project for him, and about how so the movie is basically Shia LaBeouf plays a sort of outlaw rebel without a cause type that lives in like the bi- like those bayou type areas in the south of the United States. He's not, um, he's very like I feel like rebel without a cause almost like over over grandizes his character he's really he's just like some freeloader fisher dude. dude yeah he's, he's just, just some fisherman dude it, it yeah. looks like the the, the the crime that he is guilty of is like fishing for crabs without a license like i don't or know some shit. it's kind yeah. of a lame construction he's maybe he's like using someone else's gear or something he's at supposed first. to be yeah. some outlaw um right. and he meets up with this guy named Zach, who the actor and the character both have Down syndrome. Um, and Zach is this dude who is kept under supervision in like a, a nursing home type arrangement. Um, and he's sick of that shit. And he, want, he, he keeps watching this VHS of this professional wrestler on repeat. And he wants to go and find this professional wrestler who supposedly lives down in Florida somewhere. Yeah, called the uh, Saltwater Redneck. That's it. The saltwater That's redneck. Saltwater he, he's, redneck. Ob- he's obsessed with this professional wrestler named the saltwater redneck, and and he wants to go and find the saltwater redneck and learn learn how to be a professional wrestler from him. And the two guys like team up, at and um go on a road trip. W- go on a road trip down to the Florida together to find right. the saltwater redneck. And I guess the twist is that. Um, Zach's character is being looked for because he runs away from the nursing home and Shia LaBeouf's yeah. character is being looked for because uh, he sets a fire in a warehouse of these dudes he, that piss, or piss him off. He fucks some guys over, yeah. Right, and so like uh, they're, they're, looking, they're hunting him down and Zach's being hunted down and so they kind of like end up forming a bit of a, bit of a bond over being like being these, these bros on the run, dudes on yeah, the run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, so Shia LaBeouf talked about how it was a bit of a passion project for him and about how he really got to know Zach very well and that Zach's laissez-faire, carefree kind of attitude 
gave him a greater appreciation for something, something, and and so I, that's that's sort of that sort of a- attitude that Shia LaBeouf had really captured my imagination, and I really wanted to see this movie, mm. and so I decided we'd watch it this week, and it's available on for rent on iTunes and Google Play and shit, because um, we never got a chance to see it in the cinema. Um, right, right, right. Uh, what did you think of this movie, first of all? Um, so I I liked it overall. Um, it was like a solid film, I suppose. Uh, it, my first impressions were that, like, it looked pretty good. Um, but it also, like, I don't, it, it looked good in that, like, it was, it, it, it seemed to me like, and this is very fucking rich coming from someone that is literally just trying to step a toe into this type of shit. But it it looked to me like it was shot by someone that knew how to make something look good, but didn't know how to make something have a distinctive personality. And so it looked like a lot of other indie movies that uh, I've kind of seen. I wish I remember the name of the directors of this, but it's, it's, it's the co-directors. Uh, it is directed that, by uh, Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz, uh, directed and written by both of them. Yeah, it's their debut directed, written by, and I really like watching movies like this that are sort of, it's like debut writer-director type things, because I think right. it's really interesting. It's like someone who's finally gotten the funny together to get their first big project off the ground. It's almost like that debut album type thing, where it's like yeah, yeah. they must have been stewing in this for ages. They apparently wrote this movie with this Down Syndrome Zach character in mind. Okay, with the, with the actor, Zach Gotzigan. Yeah, specifically with Zach in mind okay. for, the, for, for that role. Um, I didn't really like it as much as I had hoped I would. Sure. I found that maybe it's like a, a debut film kind of thing, but I, I found that the very first half of the movie had heaps of really clunky kind of exposition, which yeah. I had, found it hard to get around. Um, I, I like, felt like a lot of the characters fell into really stereotypical kind of pitfalls of normal characters of this type of film. Well, yeah, th- there was a lot of lines where, like, a character, in, like, instead of a character's backstory being shown, Shia LaBeouf's character, for example, would be in the fishing yards, and another guy would walk up to him and be like, hey, you know your brother w- died and left you all this fishing stuff, but that doesn't mean you can throw your weight around. Right. And there would literally be lines at that where it, it's it's... It's like screaming the backstory down your throat rather than actually trying to sort of show it on screen in a way that would be easier to do if it if they had had maybe a bit more experience in writing. Um, st- stuff like um, oh, Zach's tried to escape twice, so that means that he's not very satisfied with how he uh, with life here, kind of thing. Where like yeah. you could easily just show show that Zach would want to escape rather than say Zach wants to escape. Um, from this this nursing home, um, and there was literally a bit in in the, in the opening ten minutes where the opposing fishermen that are yelling at Shia LaBeouf explain that there are only ten crab fishing licenses to go around, <laughs> <coughs> and that they've already already got all the crab fishing licenses, right? Um, and they know that Shia LaBeouf is using his brother's old crab fishing license and that his brother is dead and he needs to get over the fact that his brother is dead. And like, yeah, there was a lot of that type of delivery of information in the first sort of half an hour where like, you're like what this dude has his old brother's crab fishing license. And what, what are you talking about? <laughs> it sort of got way too into the weeds of like, just show me that shit. You don't have to scream it at me. 
Yeah, and, and it wasn't even like it showed, it didn't even show in too much level of detail. It just kind of like showed in the wrong way. And it wasn't like, I would say it wasn't particularly bad. It was just that I could yeah. really tell that this was, it, it almost felt like a, a lot of the story that they told in this film were hurdles to get over so that they could tell the actually interesting story about Zach and Shia LaBeouf yeah. as characters going on this wrestling journey. I feel like it almost would have been more interesting, and I haven't thought about this until just now, but maybe it would have been more interesting if they had literally started the film with them already on the road and you had to learn- Piece it together. Piece it, piecing it together that they were being hunted for two different reasons. I think that actually would be a really interesting structure that, if you just like- Yeah. Wait, so these two aren't brothers or anything? They don't like- Because if it, if they're not brothers, right, you've almost got like Good Time, the Safdie Brothers film with Robert <laughs> Pattinson in it. Yeah. Where like they rob the bank and one of them has the developmental disorder and so he's kind of like acting as a bit of a protector. But that is clearly established from like the opening sequence of this film of of Good Time, right? So like in this film, it takes sort of 10 minutes like establishing Shia LaBeouf's character and then establishing Zach's character. And then he, uh, they, they then it shows them like meeting up and there's that first initial conflict. And then it's it's it felt so formulaic that like, they didn't know each other, and then Shia LaBeouf was like, look, man, I don't like you, and I don't need to like you, okay? And then he leaves him behind, and then he has to, like, then he's like, mm, maybe I did the wrong thing, and so he doubles back, and he comes back and gets him, and he saves him, rescues him from this uncomfortable situation, and he's like, all right, yeah. but just, let, just, just so you know, I'm going to dump you the first second that I can. And it's like, mate, I've heard this shit before. Yeah, um, I think that that definitely would have been a more interesting way of going about it, launching straight into it. But that's literally the fact that they didn't do that. I think shows that they couldn't do that because that requires a greater level of nuance in the writing and the way in which they, they would didn't set have up the ability to do that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, of course, you would want to do that. Like, there's literally a scene where so th there's the whole subplot where Zach has run away from this nursing home, and so the his carer is trying to track him down and bring him back to the nursing home. And that's played by... I couldn't remember her name. D Dakota Johnson. <laughs> who I think is most famous for being in the... Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades movies. I thought she was yeah. pretty good. I thought she was great. Um, uh, she was all right. She was also in 21 Jump Street and uh, the, the Need for Speed film and also The Social Network. Uh, so I she's really actually she's like kind yeah. of chops on some some pretty significant projects. Like she's worked with Fincher. I thought all the performances were really good. I thought it was literally just the writing that held this film back. Yeah, um, you know, I wanted to say that she had a bland performance, but actually, I think she had a really bland character, and she did okay. Yeah. I thought um, she was good with what she was given. So there was literally yeah. a scene where um, she is trying to talk to the head of the nursing home yes. before she goes to track Zach down. There's a line where the head of the nursing home guy says, it looks like all that family money of yours bought you a degree, it's but not yeah, any common bizarre. sense. Hey, <laughs> bizarre. And it's, but that's a line that you would literally, it would literally have been better to show her trying to use her university smarts in a real life situation where they don't apply. Right. And, and that's to a, literally uh, say, looks like it, it's trying to, it's trying to set up in one sentence that she has family money, that she she has a university degree that she's snobby about and that she's not actually that good at her job. Well, if she, if, like, well even that, if uh, she'd said like people with Down syndrome, like studies have shown people with Down syndrome often behave in this type of way. And he's like, your studies can show you fucking anything you want. Okay. But in the real world here, that's not how it works. Yeah. 
and 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 then you could even slip in the line about the family money and it wouldn't feel quite so off off the wall <laughs> bizarre yeah, yeah i think you're right i the more that i think the more that you scrutinize this script the more that it sort of it doesn't really fall apart it's not like it's really poorly written it wasn't like notably i didn't i didn't think it was notably badly written i just uh, once i started picking up on a couple things i started noticing them more and more and it started yeah. to really annoy me yeah yeah um, i think it was definitely uh, if you if you're looking at it at all it doesn't really hold up to to much scrutiny because there's a lot of like it falls into a lot of the pits of of um yeah yeah first time or at least early early career writer directors yeah, yeah you're right where there's a lot of exposition and, and that type of thing I started to think about like what if because I, I noticed that like there's a lot of different sequences in this film where they don't seem to be very very rigidly connected like it doesn't really seem like there's any very clearly established reason as to why anything is happening like uh, Zach is abandoned and Shia LaBeouf comes back to find him like on this slippery slide on almost like water slide with these young kids and then yeah it, they're like it, chucking it, him off a diving board yeah but there's all these weird little and, and, and then they'll go off to the next place and then the lady from the caring home will come rock up and be yeah, questioning why was she following him so accurately so specifically how yeah, did exactly. she manage she, to like, fucking find him so, so like so Zach and Shia LaBeouf will be in this very wacky very specific situation with these three local kids on a diving board and then like 20 minutes later the lady from the nursing home will rock up and be questioning exactly the same three kids like yeah. hey have you seen an outlaw and a guy with Down syndrome and then we'll be like no I don't know but there and th- this is the thing that doesn't line up and you're right this is the one thing that really bugged me about the story is that um, they are in like bum fuck nowhere they could and be going anywhere. They, they could literally be going anywhere, and they don't talk to anyone. Their point is that they're really self-sufficient, right? And she perfectly yeah. follows their trail. But everybody she asks is like, never seen the cunt, even though she actually has. <laughs> oh, they, 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 the person that she's talking to actually has. Like, yeah. they, they, they set up this bait and switch where it's not, it's like a bait and switch that accidentally is a bait and switch instead of actually working, where, like, you think she's going to keep talking to people who keep pointing them in the direction of places that these people, that, that Zach and, and uh, Shy have gone. But actually, the people that everyone she talks to is a dead end. And yeah. it's like, I, I, I've never seen these people before. Never seen them before. and But she still finds the next place that they go. Like, like perfectly. 10 minutes after they were there. To like, exactly the same three extras that they spoke to. And it makes oh, me think that, like, maybe wild. this movie is more of, is, is supposed to be interpreted as more of, like, a modern fantasy film rather than a drama. Because it, it reminded me of, like, a film that we've done on the pod, Brigsby Bear, reminds me of this. We're like, they're very okay. surreal. That was a lot better for reference. Brigsby well, Bear was yeah, a lot better. I think it was yeah. better, but like very it's a very surreal very sort of um unrealistic representation of right. a situation that could happen really real in real life yeah. so you're sort of it could you could catch the story at every time and be like hold on that would never happen and that would never happen but at some point you have to suspend your disbelief so i thought maybe it was supposed to be this cute road trip movie where they're on a road trip and you're supposed to accept that she's hot on their heels and that <laughs> 
it's this linear type story where they are on a very strict track from the water slide to this to this, and she's of course going to find them. Well, the water slide. they say like, and they establish it early on where um, Shia LaBeouf comes up to Zach and he's like, "There's one road that goes to the place that I want to go to, and it goes past the place you want to go to, and so we both need to take yeah. this road, okay?" And so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you there, but only because I need to go there. And and then I'm going to leave you where you want to go, and I'm going to keep going. And I buy that as a premise. Like, there's only one way to get there, so she's just going as fast as she can. You're hitchhiking with me. I'm going right past where you want to go. Great. Yeah. That's not yeah. the way that it's pitched. That she, she what what actually the way that her character is is kind of pitched is like she's this like sleuth that is like following clues and asking people, and that just isn't. Uh, isn't very believable at all. But it's just too specific and small scale. Like they'll walk yeah. past this guy, and this one, this one old blind guy will come out and ask them questions and help them out with this little antic for fifteen minutes. Right, and, and then, then he like sends them down the river on sends this them down the river, raft. and then she'll she'll rock up and talk to exactly the same blind guy in the yeah. same house where there's a hundred houses. So and it's he just won't like, tell them anything. He won't tell her anything. Yeah, it's, I feel like maybe it's, it's supposed wild. to be interpreted as this larger-than-life fantasy type thing, but I don't think it gives you enough of that kind of uh, feeling in the movie to evoke that sense of wonder and that sense of, like, I'm going to suspend all disbelief for this film kind of thing. Like, to me, it feels like they're trying to go for a Wes Anderson kind of tone, and, okay. but they don't do enough to earn it, if you know what I mean. I'm going to split my, my, my bet and say I don't think they were going for a Wes Anderson tone, but that... I think they've actually, when you really break it down, still done a decent job. I think if they'd had like, if they'd had uh, a Hollywood skill level, uh, well, not maybe not, maybe not Hollywood, but like, <laughs> you know, like an like All a good and actually America, the Hornet, right? <laughs> like an actually good <laughs> scriptwriter on this thing, it would have had like a few tweaks to it. I think they've come, I think they've done a near enough as good enough job on the script and assumed that they've done a great job on the script. Yeah, and and and, and, and I, I think the rest of it is actually pretty good. That they've yeah. got the editing. The editing is really good on this film. The sound design is great. The mixing is good. Like there's none of the re- there's no other hallmarks of like a shitty movie. It just feels like the script is very very mediocre, and even the the acting, the performances is great. The way that, uh, yeah, I th- I, th- I think yeah, I think the performances are really strong. I think yeah. I don't think we have to spoil it, but the way that they do the ending where they with the wrestling scene it's kind of like a this ain't no fairy tale brother kind of kind of yeah, ending yeah and i kind of liked that yeah and i thought it was an effective i, I thought it was really good and, right. and so i'm just i just kind of wish that without without spoiling it so Zach's goal is to get to this wrestling school that's run by the saltwater uh redneck, redneck thank you and uh plot happens and then at the end of the film there is a wrestling match and and the way that this wrestling match goes is actually it really throws a spanner in the works and i think that was one of the strongest plot decisions i think all of the stuff to do with scott and shire up scott zach sorry (laughs) zach and shia labeouf's character um works and i think most of the wrestling stuff kind of works it's not like it's not doing super innovative stuff it's like, it works. sure you're into wrestling i believe you would have right great and I, I like the idea of like these two bros going on a road trip um and like 
Also, I, I guess now is maybe a good chance to mention, like, super cool that they're kind of just not really making a big deal out of the, the Down Syndrome thing. Like, I th- and I think that is actually one of the points of this film is that, um, uh, you know, it's meant to be a recognizing the... Um, I, the best way I can summarize it is is a way that uh, Shia's character sort of says it halfway through, which is like, people treat you like you can't do the same things as them. And if they keep treating you that way, then you're always going to never have the same opportunity. So I'm going to just treat you like a perfectly normal person and not going to pull any punches yeah. um, metaphorically and, and literally. And uh, <laughs> and we'll see oh. what we'll kind of see what you can cope with. Right. And he ends up, yeah. like, obviously thriving in that environment, which is really cool. But the film doesn't really s- sort of... It, it's not up its own ass about doing that sort of stuff, which I kind of liked. I think it would have been intolerable it if also it had has, done that. It has a lot of fun with itself. I think the funniest scene in the whole film is when he's trying to sneak out of the nursing home at the beginning and he, he peels the, the bars apart and then covers himself in butter <laughs> to, <laughs> to squeeze really, through the bars. I, I liked when... Um, <laughs> so fucking funny. I, I liked Shia, like, running him through the plant and he's like what's what's step number one i i can't remember if this is actually the way that it happened but in my mind yeah. he's like shy is like what's step number one and zach's like party and Shia's like <laughs> fucking step number one is don't slow me down <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucking funny um yeah and like th- zach's zach's performance is is beautiful in it um he really does a great job and I, you couldn't and like that's not something that happens serendipitously like he must have really worked hard to um it's apparently this dude's dream to like be an actor yeah cool uh and he really like it comes together because um he he nails his timing and stuff like it's really yeah. great um, and so I think those are the strongest parts. I really feel like the Dakota Johnson storyline is the weakest part of this movie because there's a budding romance between Shia LaBeouf. So Tyler is this fucking name. Tyler and Eleanor, uh, uh, yeah, right. uh, Shia LaBeouf and, and Dakota Johnson. Totally no, we're, not. We're too, we're totally too far into it now. They're Shire and memorable characters. They're Shire and Dakota. Right. Um, and so they <laughs> end up together, and there's this like romance between the two of them that just kind of like builds the first scene they meet in a gas station and i think shia labeouf is actually like quite charming and there's a real kind of i i i I, I, I really rate shia labeouf man i really like him i think he's got a certain sort of real world charm to him i like them both and i didn't want to buy i didn't want to buy it at first i really would as soon as they started this because he starts flirting really hard with this she um, seems way too uptight it seems like she it seems like he knows she's way out of his league and yeah. he, he reckons like I'm gonna fucking go for it <laughs> yeah and, and I really like that and I think she kind of responds I think the genius in that scene is that she actually kind of responds pretty well to that knowing like this guy kind of knows I'm way out of his league and he's going for it anyway but he sort of seems like a sweet guy so I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not into it at all but I'm gonna but I'm gonna placate him and just be like okay good job buddy alright cool you did pretty well <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pitch this like I've thought about this a lot, but if I was a pretty lady, yes, <laughs> which and if I yes, hold on, give which me fifteen are. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I was a pretty lady and I was in this situation and I had a guy that was clearly way way, be- I was way out of his league, and he's he he's going all at it, swinging for the fences. I would enjoy that experience, and I would enjoy that he was flattering me. Sure, and then leave him. And I think the fact that she, 
the fact that they then and this is a spoiler, but whatever, beat the fact that they then end end up together at the end of the movie as this like romance perfect couple type thing. I thought, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, no! it didn't. It didn't them beyond that first yeah. scene, they didn't feel it didn't feel believable at all. It would be like Jennifer Lawrence ending up with Matthew McConaughey. You're like, well, you're both charming people, but no. Well, but it, yeah, I mean that that doesn't. It, yeah, the the bit where it, the only other bit that worked for me was when he handcuffs her to the dash in the car right before the the wrestling yeah. match at the end, and I was like, that's that's pretty funny. That's a good bit. Um, but then like, yeah, it just it could have it could have. Uh, taken so many more risks with the storyline, and uh, and it and it really didn't. And um, and I feel like it, honestly, like if Dakota Johnson, like as a, as a performance, she was great, and I really like her, and I think like she did a great job with uh, the material that she was given. But I would have been curious if this script did not involve her literally at all, um, or even if it had <laughs> been like. Um, if if Charlotte's character had been female and Zach's character had been female, and so there was just like literally just that sense of camaraderie, no sense yeah. of romance involved in this whole film, I think it would have worked really well, and I don't think it would have fallen. They could have been into friends the enjoying traps. the final victory again, right? Exactly, yeah. and I don't think it would have fallen so. into the same like traps and cliches as it did. But as it stands, like it was a good movie, and I like the social positive work that it's doing. But for me, it, it just yeah. fell fell prey to a lot of cliches. And, yeah, I, uh, I feel like those cliches detracted from it. From, they did from, from me a lot. I didn't enjoy yeah. it nearly as much. I thought I would enjoy it as like this like uncovered gem of a directorial debut. Nah, this was and, like a but, mad but, six out of ten. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's where I'm at. I, I, it reminded me a lot of that Zach Braff film that came out a few years ago oh, on Kickstarter. Fuck. I never saw it, but yeah, sure. It's like this like twee adventure film kind of thing where you're right. like, yeah, whatever, dude, sure. <laughs> yeah, it was I, like it's like a five out of ten film, and then I I like the the social work that it's doing. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot more than good. that fucking Zach Braff film. I hmm. definitely had a worse than, but I'm sure as shit not going to think about it now. Um, well, it's which worse is than like almost any, um, almost any like it, this was a quintessential feel good film, and so like <clears throat> if you can think of like a well made, not like a rom com necessarily, but like a feel good movie about like someone who someone who like has this aspirational dream. It's almost like Rocky, right? It's like someone who has this aspirational dream and like hits yeah. rock bottom. And I've never seen Rocky, but hits rock bottom. And <laughs> Go on then. But, but explain like, ro- explain the emotional hits, beats of Rocky to me. Hits rock bottom and then has to like, gets this coach figure and has to like build their way back up to success. This right um, here, this is rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, wherever I admit to you that I've never seen the film Rocky. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm not Rocky a real Sly fan. Nice. Nice. Very Thanks, nice brother. I'm upset I didn't, uh, I didn't think of that. Got ourselves an um, episode title. Rocky thought we, Bottom. Thought, thought we didn't have one, but now we do. <laughs> Let's make every episode from now on uh, have yeah, a, title, say, a title relating to the ass. <laughs> this is our second ass-themed episode title Great. of the, this of is the now, podcast. This is an ass podcast. podcast. A podcast. second consecutive podcast. Sure. Podcast. Fuck. Now, yeah. that's a strong contender for an episode title right or there. Or an ass Podcast. An ass cod. No, that's right. We can delete yeah, that. No. That's fine. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was like, I think we can probably wind it up there, right? This was like, this is a 6 out of 10 movie. 
Um, it's got a real, a real like heart to it, and uh, I think there's some real benefit to it. And especially if you, uh, I mean, I could imagine if you were a member of uh, the Down syndrome community, um, you'd be overjoyed that this type of uh, it, it has really good representation. That's like not patronizing at all, um, genuinely uplifting, and like pretty yeah. insightful. Um, I really hope that they don't put people. Uh, in Zach's situation into nursing homes because they don't fucking have anywhere else for them. But I could absolutely believe that that happens. So, like, if it's shedding light on that sort of issue as well, that's really great. Um, yeah. I know it was, like, 15 yeah. years ago, but in my primary school, I definitely remember that happening where, like, oh, no, it was, like, 20 years ago. In the place where I went to kindergarten in year one, there was a kid, there was like a class that was, like, a special ed class that was just, like, it was fucked. It was like any kid that's a bit weird is in this one class together and you all have different requirements, but you're all in this one class together yeah, because yeah. that's the box we've put you weirdos right. in. There was the normal box and the not normal box. And that was Yeah. It. yeah and yeah, so that's yeah. what this movie kind of reminded me of. I was like, yeah, these people are real fucking people <laughs> and you can't just shove them in a box and hope they go away and just forget about themselves. I know. Yeah, totally. So I think it was really great for that. Um, and like, I'm glad that it exists. And also... Um, I, I will say, uh, to, to, to try and be really kind, like, this was probably a really great first feature. Like, yeah, pro- probably, I feel like that's probably one of the most really, promising really bits about good. it is yeah. that I would be really excited to see what the next film these guys come out with. Well, and I think if I made yes. this, I would be really proud of it. Um, it's just like, as a person who normally yeah. watches like full studio feature movies, like <laughs> obviously this didn't have a particularly strong script. Um, but like it really looked great. They had a lot of shots, especially the the scenes of the landscape and uh, the bit with the crab or the uh, whichever the the boat scene where they almost get killed and they're, they're yeah. like dragging. There's like a couple of drone shots in there that are used to really show distance and stuff, and I really liked that. It reminded. Um, did we watch that German film Schultz Gets the Blues? No, you watched that. There, okay, it, there was a German film class I did where we oh, watched shit, this movie. No, we did. It was about this like German dude with an accordion that moves to that that goes on a holiday to like yeah, fuck, I the remember that. South Bayou type South of America swamp type areas. This kind yeah. of reminded me of that, where it's just this like fucking weirdo <laughs> fuck. weirdo feel good road trip through the South of the US um, on what a, river, what a movie. river boats and shit. God um, damn. If you want to feel, if you want to, here's what will happen if you watch a movie like Schultz Get the Blues. If you can, if you can ever get a hold of that shit in, uh, either you already speak German or you can get a hold of it on DVD, you're going to realize that they make movies (laughs) not in your language and that there are movies that are made not in your language that are great that you will never fucking see. And then you realize there are like thousands of those movies it's like one of the greatest shortcuts to getting a strong sense of ennui that i have ever fucking had (laughs) because like you just realize that there's so much art that just because you only speak english you're never gonna fucking understand or even see yeah you're never even gonna think to go and look at ukrainian films existed bro you're not even gonna know you're missing out on it you're just gonna know that it yeah 
God. There are 100 masterpieces of film that are in Serbian that you're never going to see. Absolutely. 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 And unless you like, you need to have like a full time job devoted to looking up that shit. Yeah. Or else you're just never going to have time or effort. Yeah. I have that same crisis of faith where I think about like brilliant albums that I've just discovered that I know no one's going to think about in 20 years. For sure. And I'm like, man, what brilliant albums from the 60s and 70s are there that no one ever remembers that are like, just as good as Sgt. Pepper and just as good as Dark Side of the Moon, right. but no one remembers them. Like oh, It's like, there, yeah, there, there they were like any. the 101st best album that came no, there, out there that year. No, there weren't any. <laughs> there weren't any. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you, you've listened to the only good albums that came out in those years. So. Beatles, Stones, Pink Floyd, that's it. Yeah. That's all that's so worth listening just- to. Just pitch oh, it off there and oh yeah, yeah that, that really like stops me from sleeping at night sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you've listened to all of the good ones, so now it's just about what's out now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, um, I, I feel like I, I really fucking had I fucking had a better than worse than man. I fucking well, had one. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like this almost reminded me of like spectacular now. Um, there's a so lot of feel feel good yeah. kind of vibe films that this was going for that I didn't I feel like it didn't quite capture, but it almost I, felt like it finished with uh, like Yellow by Coldplay. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. felt it, it 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 had such it had it so so wanted to make me feel great, and um and it didn't quite manage it, but like that's okay. It it almost managed it. Um, yeah, this reminded me of, like almost yeah. of like a crazy rich Asians kind of thing. Oh god, okay, it didn't remind me of that, but uh, sure, that's a weird comparison, but you know what I mean. Like I it's agree. just like feel good kind of ending. Um, we, uh, it, it's all a matter of like how it sells it throughout the rest of the film. This is maybe that's a bad comparison, but like I'm just annoyed that I couldn't think of my fucking better than worse than because this is a week where I really had one. You're I editing it this had time, one. so just add it to the description. Uh, it's gonna be like this. This, this is <laughs> yeah, the answer yeah, yeah. right here. <laughs> just recorded on your phone audio, being like, "Oh, fucking <laughs> Indiana Jones." Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Oh well that's it. I, I don't think I'd really recommend watching this movie unless I'd say if it comes out on um on a I streaming service this, no. then uh if it comes out on a streaming service, it's like maybe worth your time. Um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't recommend it otherwise though. I, I, I think it well, I didn't I, I was disappointed by it because I feel like I thought it was gonna be some sort of fucking indie masterpiece and it's really like a people having a first it felt like people having a crack. Right, it's also got like Bruce Dern in it, who's like an actually it's got a pretty good cast, fucking great actor. Yeah, it's got a it's got a great cast, and I feel like um, yeah, if you could, uh, oh, he was also in Freaks, that low budget film that uh, that oh, I right. talked about seeing um back in twenty eighteen. Yeah, it's yeah, I um, it's uh, it's so close, it's so close, but then it just it is isn't. Close. It, but it isn't quite. And uh, yeah. I think it's it's funny that um, that it's it's lumped in, I guess, now forever in history with um, uh, with Honey Boy. That's the other movie. I really want to see Honey Boy as well. Uh, yeah. So we haven't seen that, but the, those are both like. So this it's funny that he would list this as like a passion project because Honey Boy is sort of a a, a, a biographical. Almost about yeah. Him. Man, if you haven't seen it though, the best takeaway from this is go watch the Shia LaBeouf Hot Ones interview on 
YouTube. It's like half an hour long. Watch that twice and you'll probably have a better experience than this it's, movie. It's so good. Well, the, the dude is the dude seems like such a passionate really guy. That's detracting from um from Zach and 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 Dakota's performances. This is not a bad movie. Like it's I think really Shia's not a good bad in it. movie. I think they're all good in it. It's just really let down by the fact <laughs> that the writing's not that great. Right. And I I think you know if this had had a better script it would have been like a 9 out of 10. Um Yeah. But as it stands, like it's it's great that it exists, but it's just a solid six out of ten. It's a it's. A, I think know. so. Yeah. 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 Oh well. That's where we'll leave it. I think so. That's the episode for the week. If you have anything you want us to watch, you can email us at beefstationpod at gmail.com. You can join in on our Facebook page, which is linked in the description of this episode. Beef Station uh, Beef Posting. Yep. That's it. Beef Station Beef Posting. We also have all sorts of, we've got all sorts of, all sorts of fingers and all sorts of pies on Facebook. So you can find us wherever you want. Um, that's right. The level, your level of interaction is up to you. Uh, <laughs> we haven't decided what we're going to do next week, but as always, if you look at the description of this week's episode, we will tell you what we're going to do next week, and so you can follow it along and watch it in time for next week's episode. I think that's all about all we've got for this week. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. I've had a tongue, uh, a, a hair on my. I've had a, I've had a hair on my tongue for like the last ten minutes, and it's driving me fucking crazy. So I'm I'm keen to finish this fucking podcast so I can get this shit out my mouth. That's good, mate. What's your name? <laughs> it's Andrew. I think I started the sentence with that. All right. I think, but I've forgotten. I'm in a haze. Good night. I, Goodbye. Everyone. I'm Andrew. See you later. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> bye. My oh my lord. I just can't hardly wait We've been worn down In the hardest ways Long night's over And I'm starting to believe I'm not as broken As some made me out to be What makes a house a home Been running for so long When I met you I couldn't let you What makes a house a home Time moves fast now Like tires on the road